Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development program that changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Well, I hope you've been making this journey with us, and man, I'll tell you what, I hope you're putting these things into practice, and I hope you got some of the tools that we offer to help you even go beyond what we're covering just in these broadcasts. But I promise you, if you'll put these things, this broadcast, into practice, man, your life will be transformed. You know, the Bible talks about the fact that we are one with Jesus. We're one with God through the Lord Jesus. Man, you read that kind of stuff, and you think, what in the world is that really talking about? And for most people, since that's not something they experience, then it's something they determine, well, this is just positionally. I'm just positionally one with God. Let me tell you something. I want to help you understand how to connect with God in your heart, the one and only place that he said he'll meet with you in the new covenant, so that you can just wrap your life around him and experience what it's really like to be one with him. Because when you find out what it's like to be one with him, you find out what it's like to experience everything that he has given us through the resurrected life. Hang on for the ride of your life. You know, it's an incredible thing that God doesn't, God doesn't want us just to have a, a legal relationship with him. You know, I hear people argument, well, positionally, I'm this. Positionally, I'm that. Well, it's great that positionally we are the righteousness of God. But you know what? I want to feel righteous. I want to be empowered righteous. Well, you know, positionally, I'm in Jesus. Well, so what? I want to feel. I want to know what that's like. I want to have that experience in my life. And the most phenomenal part about it is God wants you to have that experience as well. But because we have rejected the biblical concepts of how to truly connect with God, then, then all, these are just doctrines we talk about. They're just theological positions. They're just intellectual uh, fodder that we feed on that really means nothing in our real life. I'm going to tell you something. God wants you to know, experience Him, and engage yourself. And he wants you to connect with Him in a way that, that everything, everything that He tells you is experiential. And that only happens when you connect with God in your heart, from your heart. I'm telling you, this is a journey of the heart. You know what? If you don't make this journey in your heart, you'll always be talking to God out there somewhere. And I got news for you. Talking to God out there somewhere is like calling your wife from another country but never been able to kiss her, never been able to hold her, never been able to make love to her because, because you're not really there. She's somewhere else. And that's the way we are when we pray. That's the way we are when we worship. We're always trying to communicate with God out there somewhere. What happened to the fact that I'm in you? I am with you. What happened to the fact that my spirit shall abide in you? What happened to the fact that, that Jesus said, you know, I'll come into you and, and, and I'll abide with you and I'll sup with you. In other words, I'll, we'll, we'll fellowship together. We'll commune together. We'll connect together. What happened to this? This is not just a positional reality. This is, uh, this is the reality. But the problem is we have tried to connect with God everywhere except in our own heart. Occasionally, we might even move from trying to connect with God out in heaven somewhere and get to the place we're going to try to connect with him intellectually in our mind. But I got news for you. When you connect with God intellectually in your mind, you're just using your imagination. You're not really able to have a true God experience until you connect with God in your heart. Because in the new covenant, that's the place that he said that he would meet you. That's the place that he said he would talk to you. 
The new covenant is like the holy of holy, or excuse me, the heart is like the holy of holies of the new covenant. It's the place that God comes to commune with you. But you see, the reason we, I mean, we know this. These scriptures in the Bible that tell us about the heart. These scriptures in the Bible that tell us all this stuff. But there's, there's a pretty simple reason why we, we really ignore these scriptures. It's because we haven't had the experience. And we don't hear many people preach that are having the experience. And when you're not having the experience, you're just kind of describing something that's, that isn't real to you. I mean, you want it to be real. You're genuine. But I want to tell you something. We need more people who are experiencing God that are teaching us how to pray. More people who are experiencing God that are teaching us how to meditate. More people who are experiencing God, not just people who have the, the right scripture verse and all that kind of stuff. I'm not trying to put anybody down, and I can't judge. I tell you what, I can't judge who's real and who's not real. I can't judge who, who has experience who doesn't. But I tell you this, in their life, there is a difference, and you feel it, and you see it, and you know it when you're around it. You know, Isaiah 40, verse 31, is a really, really interesting scripture from the Old Covenant that prophesies of not only what would take place back in those days, but actually prophesies what takes place even today. It says, it says, and I'm reading this from the King James because just because I like the way it reads in the King James. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The scriptures leading up to this passage talk about how that, that even, even the young men will grow weary. Even, even the strong man will become faint. But it says, but they that wait upon the Lord, they'll renew their strength. Now, when you think about waiting upon the Lord, you know, back in the Pentecostal movement, they tarried. And they based that on the one place in the New Covenant, the book of Acts, where, where the disciples tarried in Jerusalem to receive the Holy Spirit. But you have to realize at that time, the Holy Spirit had not been poured out. You know, from that day until this day, nobody has the tarry to receive the Holy Spirit. And so you get this idea of tarrying or waiting on God as if we're ahead of God, as if we're more concerned with this than He is, as if we're more passionate, we're more interested, we're more committed than He is. So well, I'm going to sit around here and I'm going to wait, you know. Okay, I'm here. I'm, I'm. No, that word wait literally means to entwine or to wrap yourself around God. This is, I believe, the equivalent to the New Testament concept of knowing God, where that word know means to experience God with every sensory capacity that you have in your body. You see, God doesn't want us to know about Him. He wants us to know Him. He wants us to have the experience. It's the experience that keeps you vibrant. It's the experience that keeps you energized. It's experiencing Him that makes you get up in the morning ready to face life and feel like you can leap tall buildings with a single bound. If you're not experienced, all you have is information, then you get a little ego surge out of that information, but eventually that information is going to fail you. Eventually you're going to grow weary, and eventually uh, you're going to think God has let you down. But the truth is God hasn't let you down. The information just wasn't enough to keep you going. But experience God. So it says they who entwine or wrap themselves around God, it says, they shall renew their strength. Now, that word renew is the word exchange. And you see, what happened with Jesus at the cross, according to the new covenant, is, is, is the word exchange. We, we have an exchange with God. And so 
The exchange is this. He took my sin. I take his righteousness. The exchange is this. He took my sickness and disease. I take health and healing. He took poverty. I take uh, uh, prosperity. He took shame. I take honor. He, you know, he took every, every destructive thing that there is ever cursed all. He, took, he became mine so that I could take his. And the truth is we, we died there together on that cross. And all that died with him. And when, when he was raised from the dead, I was raised up with him so that I could experience that exchange. And I could take that resurrection life into me. And so it says, if you will entwine, wrap yourself around God, connect with God in a way that's experiential. It says that you'll mount up on wings as eagles. And everybody knows that when you mount up on wings as eagles, eagles are masters at finding the air currents and floating for miles and miles and miles on the currents so that they are not having to fly by their own strength. This is a this is a, a metaphor, really, for the grace of God, because when we mount up on wings as eagles, we're experiencing God's grace, God's power, God's capacity to do what we can't do in our own strength. He says they'll, they'll run, and they will not be weary. They will walk, and they will not faint. I'm going to tell you something. We have lost the concept of truly connecting to God. You know, if you look up the word meditate in the Bible, according to what translation you, you'll use, you're going to see it in the entire Bible around 20 times. Well, man, I'm telling you what, that's not many times. But when you start realizing that in the Hebrew uh, uh, and in the Greek, many of the words that we, that we utilize are words that really uh, have, really the true meaning have to do with pondering, considering, reflecting, contemplating. You see, Jesus gave us the parable of the sower and seed, which I call the heart physics parable. And uh, this is where he took the laws of physics and says, this is what happens with the Word of God in your heart. And he goes through some things there that happen that cause people not to be able to hold on to the Word. Ultimately, it, it doesn't matter if Satan steals a word from you. It doesn't matter if if a persecution, you know, chokes the uh, cares of life, choke the word out, or persecution causes you to throw the way. None of that really matters. All of that happens for one real reason, and that one real reason is because we fail to meditate, to ponder, to contemplate, to consider, to experience God's word. Because Jesus gave a warning there in Mark 4, 24 and 25. He says, Listen, he said, be careful, pay attention, get serious about what you're hearing. The degree of thought and study and meditation and contemplation uh, uh, that you give to the word that you hear is what determines how much life comes back to you. You see, you don't get the life out of the word just because you memorize it. You don't get the, you don't get the life out of God, just the life of God experienced in your being just because you've been born again. I mean, it's in you, but that doesn't mean you're experiencing it. You don't experience righteousness just because, because righteousness has been given to you as a free gift. I want to tell you the degree of thought, study, meditation, contemplation, the degree that you wrap yourself around God and all of His provision, to that degree, you, you have the ability to extract, if you will, the, or draw out the Word of God. That's what the Old, the Old Testament talks about. With joy, we draw waters from the well of salvation. But I'm going to tell you something. We have, the well is in us, but we have to draw it out. We have to bring this into our personal experience. 
Now, in the Old Testament, the word, there's two Hebrew words that are connected to the concept of meditation. And what's interesting about these two Hebrew words, as you begin to uh, look through uh, scriptures about praise, about worship, about prayer, and even about prophesying, you will see that one of these two Hebrew words is nearly always present. And what you start realizing is, is that not only do we meditate on and ponder and, and, and experience God's Word in our heart, and we talked about it last week, you know, that's what meditation is, is where you, where you think on uh, uh, and imagine something until it becomes real to you and you experience it, it creates these emotions. Well, that's meditation. You start realizing that, that really from God's point of view, worship is not worship just because you got your hands lifted and you're looking to heaven and singing. Because you see, with these Hebrew words about meditation, we start realizing that worship becomes worship when there's a meditative or contemplative or reflective quality brought to it where we're connecting with God. We're, you know, when we're singing about Him on His throne, we're seeing and experiencing ourselves on our knees in front of that throne, or we're seeing and experiencing ourselves sitting in His lap while He's on that throne. You know, but in some way it is reflective, in some way it's connecting. It's just like when we're praying. You know, just walking around reciting a bunch of words not only doesn't get your prayers heard, but actually is a reproach to God. God said, don't pray like these Gentiles who think because of their, their much words, because of everything that they say, or because of their formulas. Don't think that this is what gets God to hear your prayers. You see, the truth is, prayer should be a meditative, contemplative uh, 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 thing that we do. Man, as we're praying about things, as we're speaking blessings and speaking the Word of God, Man, we need to be seeing it coming to pass. You know, people ask me all the time, I say, how do, how do you pray for other people? I say, well, the, you know, the primary way that I pray for other people is I began to speak blessings over them. I began to call the wicked righteous. I began to call them saved and healed and whole and well. And, and, and in my heart, I see them being that way. I see them as a different person. And, and I acknowledge that because Jesus has already paid for this, this price is paid, this is, this is legally theirs the day they decide to accept it. And I speak this reality over their life. I, I, don't know, I don't know any other way to pray other than to base my prayer life on what's already happened. As a matter of fact, that's what the Bible tells you. When the Bible talks about faith as the substance of things hoped for, it's talking about things that have been accomplished. Well, I got news for you. Every lost person you're praying for, their salvation has been paid for. Now, that does not mean they're born again. It means it's been paid for. So that means that you have the right to call them blessed. You have the right to call them loved. You have the right to speak righteousness over them. You have the right to speak favor over them. You have the right to, to pray for their eyes to be open to see and perceive and, and know and experience all that God has already done for them. And you have the, the right and the authority to share that with them and let them know what God has already done. Listen, whether it's praying, whether it's singing, whether it's prayer, what, no matter what it is, we want to connect ourselves to God in such a way that we experience something in that process. We don't just want to go through the motions. We don't want to just, we don't want to just say the words. You know, it's really interesting. Let me say this. As we ponder and as we relax physically, and this is, boy, this is one of the marks of this generation. This generation lives in stress, particularly in America. And when you live in stress, you, you, you literally block the heart signals from reaching your brain. So when you're stressed and angry and, 
and in all of these negative frames of mind, even if God is speaking the solution to you right now, you won't hear it. Because when you have hardness of heart, that message can't get beyond your heart. It, your heart is calloused, and, and nothing can get out, and nothing get in, can get in because you have become totally insensitive to what God is trying to say to you. So, so you know, we, we, we live in stress. But so if you're going to learn to connect with God outside of your mind, then you've got to learn to relax. Man, you need, you need a prayer place. You need a, a prayer time. You need a prayer mood. You need a prayer environment. You need somewhere that you go to where it's, where, where it's inspirational. And whatever it takes, you know, whatever kind of inspiration you need today, you know, some days I want to dance and, and, and rejoice and celebrate in God's presence. And some days I want to just lay before him and, and, and love on him. Some days I want to sit and contemplate. It's, it's different for me every day. But the key thing is I want, to, I want to create the environment that's conducive to that. But as I begin to relax physically, and as I begin to express the gestures of worship, now this is really important. What are the gestures of worship? These are the things God told you to do, to raise your hands, to clap, to dance, to, you know, to bow down, to, to do all these things. What we, what we now know is almost all of these gestures, and probably all of them, I just haven't found studies on every one of them, so I'm gonna, but I'm going to assume they're all this way. All of these gestures tend to slow down the brain waves so that we start becoming more open and more sensitive to our heart, to what's happening in our heart, instead of just all this intellectual noise that's going on in our mind. If you ever notice, sometimes you'll be praying, and, and man, you, you'll find yourself just starting to rock. And you're worshiping, and you're praying, and you're rocking. You may be doing it at church. Well, here's one of the things that we know, is that when you rock, your brain waves slow down. See, that's a, that's a God built these things in us. So that it would be natural and easy for us to be able to, uh, to, to connect with him, to get out of this stress and get out of this, just our intellect trying to control everything and be able to settle down and, and connect with him at a deeper level. In fact, did you know that when you just roll your eyes up, which you know, if you're worshiping, I, I realize God's in my heart, but the gesture of worship tends to be honoring God, acknowledging his greatness by lifting your hand. Did you know that just... That just Rolling your eyes up like that actually slows your brain waves down. That's a pretty phenomenal thing. You'll find that singing these songs melodically and in time slow your brain waves down. And when we slow these brain waves down, then we start being able to connect with God at this very, very deep level. And when we get in this deep level, remember weeks ago we talked about how that when you got born again, God wrote his word on your heart. And that word that's written on your heart, he said he wrote in your heart and your mind, which that word for mind is deep thoughts. When you get out of your, out of your intellectual mind, these deep thoughts start emerging. Now, you're not going to hear them in King James English. And in fact, it's going to be more intuitive than it is in words. You give it words after you hear it, but you're going to start having this sense of God's greatness. You're going to start having this sense that you can, yeah, that you can overcome this problem. You're going to start having this sense, yeah, that, that healing is yours, that prosperity is yours, that happiness is yours, that you're satisfied with life. 
peace is going to begin to emerge. And all, and all that's just going to kind of begin to emerge for one reason. That is because your attention has moved from here and you've started becoming aware of what's going on here. You see, it's not that God shows up for the first time. It's that you start noticing what God's saying and you start noticing what he's seeking to accomplish in you. You know, the Apostle Paul said over in Philippians 3, I think it is, he says, now, you know, whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are holy, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, and he gives a few other wonderful adjectives. And he says, whatsoever things you have seen and heard in me, he said, uh, he said uh, uh, do these things. Actually, he says, meditate on these things. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Well, we know that when you're preaching, you have to speak metaphorically. God of peace is always with us, but the problem is we're not always with his peace. When we put our attention on him, when we wrap ourselves around him, when we truly connect with him, then we start experiencing the God of peace in our own heart and our own life. And I want to tell you, experiencing peace is the foundation from which everything else that God wants to do in your life is going to emerge because in peace you can hear and know the voice of God. Stick around. I've got a mentoring moment I want to share with you in just a few minutes. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this series on moving your invisible boundaries. This may be one of the most important series you ever listened to in your life if you put these things into practice. Remember, God is a heart God. Everything he does, he does in and through our heart. When he wants to lead us, he speaks to our heart. When he wants to protect us, he speaks to our heart. When he wants to empower us, he does it through our heart. So this series and all the tools that come with it are designed not just to give you a bunch of sermons and information, but to take you step by step to learning to establish your heart in God's truth. So you will recognize his voice. So you will trust his voice when you're in time of need. Now, look, if you're interested in going deeper in God while developing your faith and developing your heart, I have created some tools to help you dive into this right now. As a matter of fact, we have put together three different bundles so that you can get whatever combination of tools and resources you want at the very best possible price that you can get them. We've got my book, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is an incredible book. It is the book that you want to go to to understand all the biblical principles of the heart and how they work. Number two, we got the audio series, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries, which is not the same as the book. It's not the same as the video just to take you deeper and deeper in these things. And we've got my brand new, just released book, Establishing Your Heart, No More Boundaries. Now, these are tools that you can utilize. And I'm telling you, you can begin to put these things into practice tonight. Your life will be better by tomorrow. And plus, every time you invest in yourself by making any of these purchases, you invest in the kingdom of God because we use these resources to reach to the ends of the earth to raise up one billion disciples to the Lordship of Jesus. Be sure and click on the link, check out Moving Invisible Boundaries, Establishing Your Heart, and use these tools and change your world. You know, there's nothing more important than connecting with God for yourself in your own heart. Now, the problem is this. Nobody can bring this to you. Nobody else can do it for you. You know, people say, Jim, uh, I don't know how to do this. That's right. You don't know how to do it. And this is something that you and you alone have to work out. You know, sometimes people say, Jim, that, that heart physics program that you got, it's kind of a, it's, you know, that's an expensive program. 
Well, it is an expensive program. It took, it took a lot of years, a lot of money to develop, cost a lot of money to produce. And, and I always tell people this, everything that I teach you in heart physics, I, I teach publicly, you can, you can do it without that program. That program is designed to say, you know, I spent 40 years developing this. You may not have 40 years. You may not want to take 40 years. And so I'm able to condense this down into, into things that, that you can put into practice right now that can, that can take you in a matter of 30 days what it took me 20 years to be able to do in my life. But the key is this. You, you don't have to have heart physics. All you have to do is start wherever you can. And I mentioned this uh, in, in the body of my message. You need to have you a time that you're going to do this. And eventually, you'll get to where you do this all the time. You'll get to where it's just a way of life. But, but, but see, discipline always gives rise to spontaneity. The person that tries to just do things spontaneously actually very seldom ever succeeds because we do things always first from a disciplined perspective. And, and, and as we do that from discipline, then we develop ourselves, we make this journey, and before long, we don't need the discipline. We don't need the map anymore. We, we know how to get there. But start out maybe just picking you a time or a couple of times a day. You know, first thing in the morning, last thing at night is the easiest times to do any type of heart work because for about the first 15 minutes when you wake up, uh, the last 15 minutes before you go to sleep, you're actually already in your heart zone because the brain waves are slowing down. And go into this with some scriptures, you can use the prayer organizer with the identity scriptures, or you can write your own. You don't need, you don't need any of the things that I'm offering if you do the work yourself. Again, I, I, did, I produced all these things because most people don't have the time to do this. But first thing in the morning, last thing at night maybe, and put on whatever kind of music really, if that helps you or whatever helps you the most, and just start taking these scriptures about who you are in Jesus and what you have in Jesus. And, and acknowledge them. And don't just acknowledge them in a, in a vague sort of way. Acknowledge them directly to Him because talking to God personally, we know, affects a part of your brain that doesn't get affected when you're just saying words or making confessions or making affirmations. Acknowledge to Him personally that, that you accept this truth, that this is yours in Jesus. And, and then do everything you can to see or to experience or to feel or to imagine yourself uh, uh, experiencing whatever scripture that it is that, that you're saying and that you're acknowledging to God. And every way that you know how, wrap yourself around God. And what you'll find is there will be an exchange. You'll surrender your, your weakness and get His strength. Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers Podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.